I'm your host, Sarah Boss, and welcome to Attainable Podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Attainable Podcast. I am so glad you're here. This is, listen, everyone's a special episode. I know I say it every time. Don't worry. I probably will never get more original with our intros ever, but... Any of you on YouTube or any of you watching through the Spotify video, do you notice anything different? Because this destroyed my office and took three years off my life to do. Um, The video should be a lot more clear. And we've got a new mic. I've got my sign up. I definitely couldn't find thumbtacks. So I just like I nailed the sign into the wall with a flashlight because I didn't feel like going to find a hammer. We were big scrappy today putting all this together um and we have a very special guest to i guess commemorate the new setup uh, today i'm talking with my friend jared and we're gonna talk about music we're gonna talk about you guys know how much i love talking about like taking your own path and really defining your own way and uh taking the road that usually seems a little bit wacky and curvy and and nonsensical but ends you like you end up in just the right place. Well, Jared is a perfect testament to that. Um, and he's got a really, really, really cool story. So uh, Jared, thanks for coming on and and being the, I feel like it's almost like the Olympic opener. You're like carrying the torch for the new okay. setup. I'm pumped. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've never been on a podcast. I've really never shared my story um, with anyone other than my family. So I'm pretty excited to talk about it and hopefully inspire some people to you know, live out their dreams, take some risks and uh, know that it's all going to work out. Yeah. 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 When you, I, you know, we're friends, but I didn't know, I didn't know the extent of your story until we really got talking and I was like, oh my gosh, like this 100% has to be shared. So people know what we're talking about. Um, can you give a brief introduction to who you are and uh, what you do and kind of what, you, what got you here? Sure. Awesome. Um, so I am Jared, as you have told everybody, um, but I'm like, I don't know, I've, pr- I've prided myself my entire life on taking an alternative road, uh, kind of just like paving my own way. If someone says something is done this way, I will always 100% of the time try and find another way to do it, no matter what. Um, so that's worked out for me before. It hasn't worked out for me before, but I just have learned over the years, like trust my gut and my intuition and everything will fall into place. Life and the universe is constantly giving you signs of things that you just kind of have to follow and have blind faith in and trust and everything does really happen for a reason. If you set your intentions and your mind to something, uh, you can really achieve it. And that was instilled to me by my mother, you know, growing up that you can really do whatever you want. And she's always been super supportive. My dad's been super supportive. And I never really had any objection to anything I wanted to do. So, um, you know, they made sure I stayed on a good path, didn't go too far in the deep end, because sometimes I tried to veer off. But um, they always knew that, you know, if I followed my passion, I'd be able to do something that I wanted and achieve greatness. Um, still in the process of achieving greatness. It's It's not like a clear cut, oh, one day you've achieved greatness, you know. Um, it's a spectrum and it's a continual thing. And it's just a lifestyle of being comfortable with being uncomfortable, I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I, are you, um, do you have siblings or are you an only child? I am a severe only child. You are a severe only child. I was wondering, um, cause it's always interesting to hear when people talk about their family dynamics. And, um, I think 
I like there's not there are stereotypes but I just think it does put perspective um so I think that's super cool so can you before we go into more about what you do can you talk a little bit more about how your mom really instilled that in you yeah definitely um she actually would tell me I remember a quote growing up there's a good road and a bad every time I would make a mistake Jared there's a good road and there's a bad road you can go down whichever one you want and kind of left it up to like my decision to have a good consciousness. And so anytime I would go down the bad road too far, I'd kind of just like close my eyes and think of my mom telling me that, or, you know, my dad telling me, um, just always instilling good values in me. My dad would tell me as from a young kid, be nice to, you know, everybody don't make fun of kids at school. So, you know, they tried to just instill good values in me. Um, and I took those to heart and, Actually, a specific example is when I was in college, um, which I'll, I don't want to jump ahead too far in the story, but I was trying to follow my passion. And after three years, my mom suggested to me, why don't you take a hiatus from school and, and kind of see where this goes? And she was the one footing the bill. So Wow. She know, was the one who told yeah. you to make the jump. Yeah. And uh, she she doesn't seem to remember it that way, but I do. So. <laughs> You know, I get That's, the Jewish mother yeah. guilt now, um, but she's she's very proud of what I've been able to accomplish, as am I. But yeah, parents 100% uh, had total involvement in my career decisions, but left it up to me. Interesting. Okay, so let's, all right, yeah, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, so what do you do now? And then kind of what got you there? When we spoke, I think it started a little bit before college. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. So I kind of live a double life. Uh, I work, my passion is music. Uh, I work for Mood Swing, which is the company I'm wearing now. It's a management company founded by one of my mentors. I've known him since I was 16 years old. I interned for him before I even knew I wanted to be in music, kind of maintained that relationship. And it's uh, come to fruition now in a, in a grander scheme uh, or in a grander scale, I would say. But my other full-time job really nine to five ten to six whatever you call it I work at a marketing agency with you yeah and, that's how we uh, met <laughs> that's how we met and I it took me a while to kind of I mean I also have so much energy that I can't just like focus on one thing so I'll be bored yeah and so I think that is also what kept me out of trouble is like and kept me on a good path is basically just filling up my time with things that were beneficial to myself. And it took so long to balance those two things because I am also very entrepreneurial at heart. I did go to school for entrepreneurship and business at Northeastern. Um, and I've tried to start so many businesses without really knowing what I was doing. And the one thing I've learned over the past like 10, 15 years, I would say is jumping all over the place is really not gonna get you anywhere. You have to kind of like stick it through anyone I've seen get anywhere successful in life has put a good five to 10 years into one thing. I would say seven years is like the average um, when I see people really rising to the success in their industry. Um, so just having that patience has always been hard for me. So I've been jumping around, but in the past five to about six, seven years, I've been kind of settling into what I want to do. I've been in marketing dually in marketing, digital marketing, growth marketing, and the music industry on the management side for, I mean, music has been 10, 15 years, but marketing about five, seven years now. And I've balanced this double life. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's tough, but it's doable. You just have to, and I also, I'm married. I have a social life. I mean, it's not all I do. I don't wake up and work every single day. Yeah. Uh, 12, uh, nine to 12, like some people, 9 a.m. to 12 a.m. Like some people do in the banking industry. I mean, you know, work is work, but why not make it fun? Yeah. No, we've had a lot of people on the podcast and I feel very fortunate to know many people with like, um, they, they do kind of feel like they live double lives or even triple lives. Like they've got multiple things going on. They've realized that they can, like a career doesn't just have to be one thing, nor does your passion, do your passions have to be one thing? It, 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 and they've figured out how to blend side hustles or, you know, you know, not side hustles, but like, you know, main gigs with the side hustles or like whatever. Um, so that's extremely, I think it's just a really cool way of looking at work, honestly. And I think, I think COVID really made it. So we redefined what work looked like. I think that made a lot of people change. I think it changed mindsets. It changed mindsets on like, is this where I want to be? I think it made a lot of people get scrappy, which I think is usually a good thing. A lot comes from that. But um, so your passion, I guess your, your main passion or your longest relationship passion is music. How did you get started in that? So you actually just said something really great about kind of morphing and and having a passion, but you know, I, I I'm grounded in music as my passion, but what does that mean? So like I originally wanted to be a producer, make beats, have rappers rap on my songs. Um, and I still as a hobby make some music on the side, but what I realized is that, you know, if that's not something I'm willing to 1000% commit to and be the absolute best in the world at, um, which at the time I wasn't, then I can still do things in music that I'm passionate about and maybe approach the business side a little bit more. So um, when I was, I would, so like I said, when I was 16, I interned for uh, the guy who I work for now, who's the founder of Mood Swing and maintained that relationship, interned again for him when I was 18 then I really realized I kind of wanted to be in music. At that point, I was producing for like four years and I was going off to college and I was I was I thought I was going to be a producer. So I ended up meeting this rapper and we worked together. He was not a big name. And I put in about three or four years with him as a manager because I had to shift strategies because when I met him, he was like a much better producer than I was. Like he made way better beats and it kind of was like my light bulb moment where I was like okay am I gonna like be a producer or is there I'm in college learning business like maybe there's something else I can do for this so at that point I decided to shift strategies and I literally just bought management books took up a minor in music industry started reading getting all A's in music industry class and you know I was doing much better in music than I was in all my other classes which is a clear sign of my passion <laughs> and then I met another artist. So I started managing two artists and we ended up actually signing a co-management deal with the Black Eyed Peas managers. Um, and so- No was, way. Yeah, it was great. So through connections, just my dad was always a dude out in the streets with friends and he actually ended up connecting me with like some music people. Uh, Networking and connections are so like- and um, I I think they're still underrated, even though that they're talked about. I think that people get really annoyed with it. Are you a Hamilton fan? I mean, like, not specifically, but <laughs> I actually like the Broadway play Hamilton. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I just talked about it this weekend. That's so weird that you just did. Oh my god, it's literally so good. Like, um, so it's there's a song called The Room Where It Happened. Um, literally, I mean it's they rap the whole story of Hamilton. Like you really need I have no idea. Oh my god. Okay, Jared. Jared, literally, like you need to watch it. And here's the thing, watch it. Like the Disney one is really, really good. It, it is. Um, I know that you are in New York, so like you can actually go see it. But uh, I will say, I'd, I would probably recommend anybody watch the Disney one first, just so you can have the subtitles because it makes a difference because they are rapping so fast and they're telling a story. Like you have to keep along, whatever. But there's this song called The Room Where It Happens. And so that just reminded me, like networking, I feel like everybody gets really dogged down about, like, oh, you know, you have to be like in the room where it happens, you have to be making these under the table deals. Like you have to have all these connections and they get like really bogged down immediately saying like, oh, well, I don't have that. I don't have any of that. Like, I don't know anybody. And I'm like, I promise you, that's, you do. That's like, where have you heard of Facebook? Yeah, that's where the scrappiness comes in too. I mean, like yeah. everything I've done is based on networking. And I mean, I have some really good stories to share, but it kind of like dives into what I was doing uh, later that I was going to share. But yeah, just... Let me just give one example. Yeah, I don't mean to derail you. Keep, keep going. No, it's all good. When I first started, I had no connections when I was managing that first rapper. Um, so we would just go out. I literally would. I, I actually, you're right. I DM'd someone. I remember exactly what I did. I found, I was in Boston, Massachusetts. I found the guy who promoted and threw all the rap shows there. I DM'd him. I told him I wanted my artist to open for him and or for some of his shows and he said if you can sell tickets then sure so I bought 50 tickets with my own money and um no you didn't yeah and and I continued to do that for like months which was not a good financial decision like I was taking all the money that my parents would send me to like eat and I was eating very little and then I would like spend money on tickets that just to get my artists to perform Um, yeah so but that's not the scrappy thing I was talking about but that's pretty scrappy but so (laughs) so I've used weed as a tool in the rap industry. I literally would bring a joint every single place I went with me because most of the people were smoking backstage. And if you, if they didn't have weed and you were the guy with the weed, then they want to talk to you. You are literally so so smart. Of course, of course, if you're in the industry, like you're literally, you know what they value. (laughs) You said, I got it. Yeah. Exactly. So you just want to add value. I mean, think of ways we can add value. Okay, everyone's smoking weed. I'll bring some weed. Like one time I remember I left a venue because I didn't have weed and a rapper's manager, like a bigger rapper's manager told me that they wanted to smoke after the show. So I literally left the show, bought weed and came back and ended up getting a free verse from one of his rappers on a song where usually you have to pay like thousands of dollars for a verse, but it all happened organically. What does that mean? Like a verse like they rapped on a song with my artist because of the connection I made yeah I got basically a free song where you have to oh my gosh yeah yeah from smoking a joint with their manager like backstage that I didn't have when I got there and I didn't just let me having no weed turn out and me not smoking with him like I did everything I needed to do to make that happen not that this like matters but is it legal there was it legal there (laughs) it was not then (laughs) gotta do what you gotta do man yeah i don't recommend doing illegal things to make (laughs) into the industry but But, now that now that this how it's listen this is this is what it looks like in the room where it happens yeah yeah i mean 
it was it was i think it was decriminalized it was a slap on the wrist it wasn't like yeah 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 i mean yeah, yeah at this point like that you know we don't need to get into all that but uh smart if you, smart if you take the weed out of it i mean i have another similar story when i was on tour with artists um i was smoking this is very embarrassing to admit but at the time i smoked cigarettes and i i do not condone that but um i was smoking cigarettes and a lot of the artists would come up to me and ask if they could have a cigarette and then they didn't like the cigarettes I was smoking. So I found out which cigarettes they liked and I switched to smoking those cigarettes so that every time they came up to me, I would, they would want to talk to me. And I made a lot of connections that way. So, yeah, I mean, and all my connections didn't come from smoking something. No, but... I'm sure. I'm sure. I think like the, the general, you know, messaging, whether whatever the medium is, is like, I think actually the switching cigarettes thing is, is interesting because I think a lot of people talk about, they talk about like the fake it till you make it thing. And that's a very practical example of like, you know, be who you are, who you look up to, you, you know, like be your own person, of course, but if there's practices that they're doing, you know, and, or things that you can adopt to, usually it's to better your lifestyle, which I'm assuming cigarettes do not do, but you know, I feel like all, all encompassing, it's just really having the grit to say, okay, this is who I want to be. So I'm going to, I'm going to fold myself into this narr- narrative. I'm going to get myself into these circles. I'm going to push my way in because that's ultimately what's going to get you there the fastest. Exactly. And then the other thing is, I mean, that's how you get started, but they do, I mean, they say that it's who you know, but obviously you have to get to know people first, but then it's maintaining relationships. And like that stuff doesn't happen fast. It's not like you can't fake a friendship, right? You can't fake five years of knowing someone and trusting them. No, and a lot of people freaking try. Yeah, they really do. Networking events sometimes seem like BS, like nothing comes from a fake relationship. Like people can smell that shit from a mile away. And the other thing is, it's a very, 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 very small world. And you never know 10 years from now who you just interacted with, who they're going to be. They could be the head of the next biggest deal that you're trying to close. And they could be someone's shoe cleaner right now. Like you have no idea who you're dealing with. And you got to treat everybody with respect and just the way you'd want to be treated. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. Yeah. Um, you don't want bridges because you never know who's who. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, so we we derailed a little bit, but um, so I want to make sure that we get the full story because I think hearing the journey is also really important just for perspective and because we're freaking nosy. So you, what I remember us like derailing from is like you were taking these classes because we have not established really when you when you took the leap. Okay, yes. So time. Yes. So I took three and a half years of classes out of about four and a half to five years because it was a it was a program in the school called co-op um I went to Northeastern and you take three semesters and you work for a company three times basically uh and it could be the same company it could be different companies so the first two times I did some bullshit thing where I just worked for some random companies that I didn't care about and the third time I decided to co-op for myself in the music industry so at this point I already had a co-management deal with the Black Eyed Peas managers through a connection that I had. And I then left school in, I would say, December 
December to go on my break to, to work for myself. And in June, I, so, okay, this is crazy. So the artist I was managing, we got a call from the radio DJ in his city in Connecticut that said, and this is the, the smaller artist that you met. The, no, this is, I skipped over the smaller artist left me because the bigger artist got bigger and he okay. cut ties with me. And cause I wasn't putting in enough work to him. Okay. Which was, he also Fair. decided to be an insurance agent and I can't really put you on tour if you're an insurance agent. <laughs> so, um, so the bigger artists started getting bigger. We lent, we landed a co-management deal with the Black Eyed Peas managers and around the same time, totally unrelated, Drake put out a contest to go on tour with him to open for him, Drake, Meek Mill, 2 Chains, Waka Flocka Flame, French Montana and J. Cole. And then my artist, Jitta, at the time was my artist. We're, we're just friends now. But so we went on, we, we basically applied, sorry. We, so the DJ in Connecticut contacted us and said, you should apply for this tour. Yeah. So we filled out a profile and luckily we had been working his socials. We had a lot of Twitter followers. His YouTube had at least 50,000 views on a video. And this was before, you know, YouTube was that big. It was 2012. Um, it was still big, but, you know, 50,000 right. views was still decent. not so easy thing to get. And there was no paid yet. Um, so, so we submitted the profile. It definitely was the most professional looking profile out of all the ones I saw on the platform. And I would say... I don't remember the exact timeline, but a few weeks or months later, I get a phone call that says, want to let you know you're a finalist. We'll be letting the winner know in the next week. Um, we're, we're kind of freaking out. So I get a phone call about a week later. Hey, it's a FaceTime. And I was, and they FaceTime me and we're like, I just want to let you know that like, cause I, I lived with my artist at the time. So it was the two of us. And I was like, I just want to let you know that you guys won you have to pack up you're going on tour tomorrow get eight people together you're going on tour for 30 days around the country in a tour bus with all these artists and you're going to be in the same lineup as them you're going to be traveling with them everything hanging out with them and this was like the biggest break that you know anyone yeah. could ever wish for a starting you said artist. Drake, two chains like Drake all of them it was like all of these artists' first huge stadium tour. Oh like, my god! Like, it was fifty thousand people, like thirty to fifty thousand people in a show. It was insane, and we did like twenty to thirty shows, so we probably touched half a million or more people, um, whatever the number was. Um, it was pretty. It was pretty insane. So we so we did that, and then here's where the networking comes in, though. Like we were on tour, and I could have. I, if I had known what I do now and had the access to what I do now, I would, I could have capitalized more on this tour, but we were also in our young twenties, like on tour. Yeah. Drake, you know? Yeah. You're just like, you're uh, like, look, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to vibe. Like I'm just trying to yeah. get through, like we got 30 days of crazy. Just, you know. yeah. We were trying to like fight off girls from our tour bus. We weren't worried about like, <laughs> we thought we made it. Um, this is where the networking comes in. So I would go and every single show would be, friends with the tour manager, Drake's tour manager, who is still my friend today. Um, I'm not going to like get into how we were. It was also, there was a lot of, you know, 
bringing things when needed. It wasn't necessarily yeah. things to smoke, but just being a helping hand. Yeah. In needed. any environment, just being a a solid person to that you know is adding value, is being friendly, is helping out. Like that always goes a long way. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so he 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 is he was Drake's tour manager, and I stayed in touch with him a year later. Um, fast forward, still working with my artist. I moved to LA because actually this is a really good example of how my back to what we were talking about earlier, how my mom was supportive. We were on a walk and I was telling her, mom, I don't really know, you know, what am I doing? Like, I'm trying to do this music thing. I'm not happy in New York. And she literally just said, why don't you move to LA? And I was like, really, I can do that. And so she allowed me to go move. I stayed on my friend's couch for a couple of weeks. Um, I didn't have a job or income. So she let me use some, her credit card. And I basically texted my contact from Drake's tour, his tour manager. And I said, do you have, do you have a job? And long story short, I can't really talk about the job, but I got my dream job working for a big artist. And um, it kind of just like solidified my dreams in the music industry. It was a very, it was a very dedicated job. So I had to kind of like lose my individual management stuff. I just didn't have time to do it, but I maintained a really good relationship with Jitta, my artist. And we kind of both built our separate ways. Then after I, after I did that for about a year, I was like, I kind of just lived out my dream um, in music. And I thought I was sick of it. I thought I was done with it because once you accomplish the thing that you've wanted to do for the exact person you've wanted to do it for, it's like, yeah, what else is next? You know? Yeah. What happens when you like reach your, what you thought was the top? Yeah, exactly. So kind of just like completely shifted gears. And I used that really cool experience on my resume. Keep in mind, I didn't have a college degree at this point. I had almost four years of college experience and knowledge and everything I was gonna be refreshed I was like wait so did you ever finish I'm still on hiatus (laughs) still on hiatus we're just taking a break (laughs) um yeah I've gotten my degree from life I think there you go I, I actually I think I've had such amazing experiences I would never change a single thing yeah um no that just goes to show yeah yeah so so I shifted gears um, I decided to work for a renewable energy tech hardware startup where I was the fourth employee at the company. Well, that's a hard, that's a hard like turn. Yeah. No what experience. What made you do that? Like I said, it was probably just, I wanted to do the complete opposite of what I was doing because, yeah, you know, let's reset. Let's start. Let's set new goals. Um, let's try and achieve something crazy in another industry. So, so I did that. Uh, we ended up growing to 20 employees. I ended up with a patent under my name as an inventor for harvesting energy from a vehicle, which, uh, like a, like vehicular motion, which was pretty cool. Um, I did that. And then, you know, about three and a half years into that, I started getting like the music itch again. And I was like doing music on the side while I was supposed to be doing that. Like I was literally at work in my office alone doing music, 
nine to five when I was supposed to be doing the other stuff. And then I was like, this is, I, I clearly want to do music. So that's when I started talking to my, uh, my former intern uh, mentor from Mood Swing. And honestly, that was in maybe 2016, 2017, something like that. And I've just been working with him gradually in a capacity since then. Uh, now it's, I mean, it's called part-time, but it's full-time. It's, you know, the other thing is when you're doing a passion, it doesn't seem like work. So if I get a text at 10 PM while I'm out to dinner, or if I have to, you know, write an email, it doesn't suck as much as if it was something that I hated doing because there's ultimately like a, a passion and b a larger goal in mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, in a short nutshell, that's the trajectory I took. And if you want to like fast forward to today, I basically used my networking and my stories and my personality to get myself to where I am. I'm extremely happy with working full-time in the music industry, full-time in the marketing industry. And my next goal is to combine the two. So they obviously cross paths all the time and I'm just trying to learn everything I can from the amazing company that you and I work for and apply it to everything I want to do in life yeah that's awesome I have okay so I've got thank you for taking us through that I've got obviously several questions so um when I was doing like my career hops I don't think that I was quite as like focused as you I was more like my life is a mess and everything's ruined and then sort of fell into something um so but something that really plagued me all the time was labels and like job titles and when I um so I was a chemist and then I quit because it was literally atrocious and sucking every bit of life out of me but then I really didn't have a plan and so I read marketing books and I didn't know what was going on and I was working at TJ Maxx and the, the question I most feared was somebody asking me, so what do you do? And I like really needed, like in my mind, especially graduating college and um, I was like top of my class and I was like, you know, put on this pedestal a little bit at this school. It was very small and I'm very grateful that for that experience, but it, it made me really attribute labels and like what you do with worth. And so like when I was a chemist, I was able to say, oh, I'm a research and development chemist. And everybody thought, ooh, oh, that's so cool. You're so smart. Like, but when I was working at TJ Maxx, I like then when I left that, it made me completely lose who I was because I attached it to what I did for work, which clearly is not like the regular answer to that question. But did you ever find yourself like grasping for labels? Or if not, like how did you wrap your mind around like what? you were doing because when we we're you know you're talking about this timeline you can see it from you know hindsight's 2020 but I find a lot of people that like they'll tell you when you're in it it doesn't feel that organized it doesn't feel like one step in front of the other it feels like tumbling and you're not really sure which way is up or down what's what was your experience in that it's so interesting because like I think it goes back to what I was also talking about before there's no defining moment of like you've achieved success. And so in the moment I was searching for, I want, I always wanted to be there now. I wanted to be where I wanted to be now. And 
one of my other mentors in music had told me a quote that it's not about the pot of gold it's about the journey um and looking back I didn't think I was successful during the times that all these things happened but like it would be hard to argue that those aren't incredible successes looking back now mm -hmm. and yeah I think it's just like you said in the moment you you're searching for something that you're it, the grass is it feels always like greener, you're constantly right? chasing exactly and so that's probably why you and I hopped around so much and, and like I said it takes five to ten maybe, maybe more years to achieve success in something um, you know there's a there's a plant that there's a plant that exists that you have to water every single day a seed that you have to water the seed every day for like five years before it sprouts and I think that's like one of the most interesting things that nature would would do that because like who would not give up after four and a half years of watering this thing like and so the fact that that happens like it really it really does take time that's and beautiful yeah it's awesome right I, so yeah. I always think about that and I'm like well why would this take five years well why would a seed take five years like other ones take one day but you can't compare that seed because actually that seed is the most beautiful flower you'll ever see in your life you know so um, you can have a crappy flower that blooms in five days or you can wait and you know wait for your real pot of gold but yeah I mean it's it's hard it's hard when you're in the moment to recognize that wow that's I forget that you're well I'm not forgetting since there are a million behind you but uh I do forget that you are such a plant dad I am a plant dad I was gonna wear my plant dad hat but I thought my state of gratitude hat was more appropriate you have a one of the most sick hat collections I think I've ever seen, truly. Thank you. I I love hats. I mean, maybe because I'm partially going bald, but also... I really cool. don't see your head very often. Like, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I think I've seen it once. Like, actually, I think I literally have seen the top of your head once. Do I even have the top of my head? I don't think so. I think if you take the hat off, it's actually just one flat, like, thing. Almost like somebody just sliced right through. You'll never know. <laughs> You never know. Um, so can you talk about, um, was there ever a time in this journey where you like almost gave up? Did you ever have like moments where you're like, yeah, I think I'm really going to throw in the towel. Like anytime something gets hard, my, my first reaction is like, I can't fucking do this. But, <laughs> I can't fucking um, do this. Yeah. Like the amount of times I probably said in the past month, like, I don't know if I could do this, but you know, you just keep sticking it through. Um, you only fail if you quit. Like that's literally the only way to fail. And so I don't think people realize that. Like there is no such thing as failure unless you stop. Like yeah. you can always pick yourself back up and go. Okay, well, question. Well, we'll challenge you there. Um, do you think like how do you know when to pivot, when to quote quit? Because when I was um, even when I was accepting the job at No Good, when I was uh, had the opportunity to then leave my job at TJ Maxx and go out on my own, when I you know was leaving chemistry, like I I over wow now that I'm thinking about it, I quit a lot. <laughs> you know, every time you move, you're technically leaving something behind. Um, and uh, especially for whatever reason, when I was, I think it was because like I was going off on my own and freelancing, and so you don't see that as as legitimate because it's you. Um, 
when I was moving from working at TJ Maxx to working on my own, similar salary, by the way, um, I was like, I called my friend I was, and I was bawling, crying. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be a quitter. I don't want to, you know, I'm, you know, I'm working hard. And like they said, I could be maybe manager and which also fuck that noise. I mean, not that any path is wrong, but I have some words for the retail industry anyway. But, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to be like a quitter. And she looked at me. She's like, Sarah, you've dreamed about this for as long as I've known you. Why are you crying? And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but do you, when do you, do you think, when do you know? When do you know that it's time to move? When do you know when you could be a quitter? So I think that for me, at least, I decide to move on from something when I recognize that there's no opportunity for growth in what I'm doing or what I'm doing is not serving my greater goal and happiness. Um, Happiness is a lot of it. I measure things on vibes. Is this vibing with my energy? Yeah. No, don't underestimate a vibe. I truly think that if you take vibes seriously, you call it vibes, you can call it intuition, you can call your gut, like whatever, but it'll lead you true. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think pivoting is quitting necessarily. Like I agree. Yeah. I think it's shifting strategies. Um, I would say it's arguable that I quit music when I went into renewable energy, <laughs> but ultimately you can you see like that. that it came back and so I would be regretful if I quit and wasn't in it at this point so if you have a passion there's a reason for that you're if something brings you joy and happiness there's a reason for that and you can replace it with things that you think are easier or better or a lot of it's imposter imposter syndrome um like you said you don't think that you're capable of doing this but that's just all in your head yeah yeah, I think that um, a lot of it, like, I, I really changed. I mean, of course, like, things, my mindset's changed over the years or whatever, but I've really gained, like, a mindset of, like, why not try? Like, why not at least try? Like, I, I haven't spoken about it on the podcast, but, um, like, I'm going to be submitting to some modeling agencies, and I'm, 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 also I'm taking French lessons and I'm signing up for acting lessons so I could get some film agencies like and it's just things that I have an interest in and I want to pursue and so it's like why not try like why not you know and this is like side hobbies and, and interests and that that can maybe go into something but it's not you know I I'm not the idea of being so scared that you don't start like you don't take the first step is mind-boggling to me I'm like, this is life. This is all. And, and my mom is really, really good at having this mentality. She's like, I need you to buck the fuck up. And also stop being so dramatic. Like she will say that she's like, Sarah, stop being so dramatic. It is not. It's this is like, this is life. Just have fun, you know, work hard, be a good person. If you want to try, try. If you want to do it, do it. If you, if you fall on your face, get back up. Like, you know, it, it, nothing it's not going to kill you so why not at least go for it and see what happens it's just time spent there's two types of fear there's the fear this I learned actually from I learned two really important things from the management book that I bought 
in college when I decided to become a manager. One is care uh, luck is when careful preparation meets opportunity. So if you are yeah. prepared for something and the opportunity comes up, that is also seen as luck a lot of the times, which has happened to me several, several times. Yes. The other thing is there's two types of fear. There's the fear of failure, which everyone's just scared that they're going to fail. But then there's the fear of success. Like if I succeed, can I even be that person? Like, do I even want to be that person? Yeah. And that's like the imposter syndrome. So for fear of failure, a lot of things I've seen, like people put themselves out there on purpose in situations where they're going to experience rejection. So like, or people looking at them weird, uh, uncomfortable situations. I think earlier in the podcast, I said, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's something so true to so many aspects of life, but especially when you're trying something new or something scary. So I've seen people like bring a yoga mat into the middle of the street and lie on the street and people walk around them just so that people look at them like, what the hell are you doing? And they they get used to that feeling. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways to, you know, get over those fears. Yeah. When I um, was, I reference it's actually a lot, like I for myself, like in my mind, I don't know if I've really talked about it on the podcast before, but when I was 16, um, I decided I want to start dance and um, you don't start dance at 16. Like, you know, everybody around me who had been doing, they'd been doing dance since they were five and or whatever and so I told my mom she was like well you got babysitting money like you can pay for it so I paid for my own lessons I remember I remember like handing over like I'd walk into dance class and like I'd have to go to the front desk and be like hey Sarah like it's a month and I was like okay and I had to like slide my cash over or whatever um and but I went to my local like dance studio and they were like okay well you know you're gonna be in a in a beginner's class and I was like that's okay so I walk into class uh and you know I'm in like I had to wear like tights and a ballet leotard or whatever. And I'm with a bunch of eight-year-olds, literally eight-year-olds. There's one particular eight-year-old named Abigail. She's very bossy. And she used to tell me what I was doing wrong. And like very sweet, you know, whatever. It was, Abigail had been doing it since she was, you know, two months old. So I would take Abigail's advice. But I remember I was like, that was the first time where I really said like, I don't care. I just want to do it. Like, I just, I just want to dance. And I don't care that I am literally two feet above these people. I don't care that there is an eight-year-old named Abigail telling, correcting my form. Like, I don't care. I just love doing it. And 100% for anybody asking, yes, I was in the recital. Yes, it did look a little funny when we, we actually, <laughs> this was my ballet class where it was the year that the Moscow Ballet Company came into town and like, they were touring and whenever they whatever city they tour in, they'd partner with an academy or like a studio there and you for the nutcracker and that studio would be like the angels or there's like little parts that they would every city that I would assume I was assuming you know every city that they went to they just like partner with the nearest studio and then we'd be the little angels or plum fairies or who the fuck ever so yeah there was this point and they had to get a special costume for me <laughs> and, oh my god like and we, <laughs> yeah and I mean I was I was too you know imagine like a 16 year old and an eight-year-old and I was the head of the line so because like where else are they gonna put me and so we like you know ballerina tiptoed out onto the stage this is the Moscow ballet people are paying tickets to see these people and you just see this <laughs> giant girl and then these ducklings behind her 
she's in a giant version of their angel costume very clearly like one of these things is not like the other I just shuffled out there and did my piece and one of the Moscow ballerinas growled at me but I that was like the first time that first of many times where I was like yeah I'm just gonna I don't care that this looks stupid like I'm I want to do and those it, things build character and look where you are now you're comfortable in front of cameras you have people who look up to you and follow you and um maybe that wouldn't have been the case if you hadn't yeah. been in front of a million people with ducklings behind you you know with ducklings behind you yeah um well okay so for anybody who is um maybe you know they're younger they're in college maybe in high school or or even maybe older and they're still trying to figure out like what they want to do who they want to be they feel lost and you know they're just not sure where to go next what's your advice for them well what do you like to do in your free time if you had no responsibilities what would you like to do what would you feel comfortable spending every day doing if it wasn't a job if you were just a billionaire and you could just do whatever you want for the rest of the day because I mean everyone would say oh I want to just go work chill on a beach but yeah that gets boring after a while so realistically like what do you want to spend your time doing that's going to advance your productivity or, or knowledge or skill set what's fun um I think that's a good place to start and then you get into okay I've identified this thing that I love and what does that mean how do I meet people that are like-minded um and now they have it easier than we did I mean I'm not like that old but like you know how much technology has advanced in the past five ten years yeah. I didn't have Instagram until I think Instagram came out while we were on the Drake tour. I think I remember my artist being like, oh, there's this app. And like, I was posting like the weirdest pictures because I had no idea what was going on. Um, But yeah, things have become a lot easier and thus also a lot harder, more saturated, more competitive, but there's a lot of creative ways to find your passion and capitalize on it. And I mean, also just reach out to people. Don't be afraid to like ask people because there's a lot of people who are 10 years older than you who want to help and who, I mean, like I would love if someone asked me, hey, how'd you do this? Um, you might not want to ask for handouts, but advice people are are always happy to give. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that that people, like they'll hear like, what do you like to do in your free time? Or, or even what did you want to be when you were a kid? And they really brush that off. And I'm like, no, don't. Because 10 years from now, you're going to look back and laugh. Because I would have never guessed that I would be where I am now. And I don't, you know, I know this is in the end. But, you know, I wanted to be, I remember wanting to be on Disney Channel. I remember remember wanting to perform. I remember wanting to be in front of a camera like I loved. Um, this is all summing up to I'm an attention whore. But... I like, I'm looking at like what I do now. I'm looking at TikTok. I'm looking at, you know, the podcast. I'm I'm looking at the fact, like wanting to be more in film. I'm just like, there's a common theme here. And anybody who knows me is like, duh. But it all, I'm like, I can look back at photos of me. I look, can look back at videos of me when I was a kid. And I'm like, li- I could literally have predicted this if I, I had mean- just listened we're all still kids, you know? Like- we're all still kids. You would be, I think like everybody, if you find, you know, adults who are like, yes, I'm super happy, like where I am, you know, I'm not, gonna, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say like they're, I don't think anybody's at their ending, you know, nobody's like really made it. Even Oprah's like trying to go bigger, better, whatever. There's never, 
you know, it's, it's, you just keep going and then you die. But that was so morbid, but like, you know, I don't think anybody's out there, anybody can find it, you know, anybody who's happy with where they are. I bet that they, they can connect some of that to their interests as a kid. I just, I really truly believe that there's a connection there. So don't brush it off. Don't brush that advice off. Um, because you're going to laugh at yourself later as I did. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think my first inkling of being interested in music was when I was like, actually, actually, I was like eight or nine. I had a Casio keyboard and I remember like really loving, I would just like obsess over playing like my own stuff. I didn't want to learn music. I wanted to like figure it out on my own. That probably goes back to me being like a rule, an inherent rule breaker, but um, yeah, eight, I think I, I got my first Casio keyboard 14 my friend told me he made beats and I learned how to do it and so it was just a recurring theme that like I didn't oh, it'll come back to you it'll keep hitting yeah, you in the face like, till you get it it's just life just keeps telling you and and if you can't identify it just think of those times where like you were absolutely infatuated with something and that's probably your passion yeah ah oh, Jared this was so good thank you so much for oh, coming friends. on thank you for being so vulnerable and telling your story and being so transparent. Um, and so if anybody wants to find you, connect with you, uh, potentially reach out, get advice, whatever, where can they find you and follow your journey? I would say Instagram is probably, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of accounts on TikTok that I'm trying you to do like, different audiences. So I don't think you can get a really good idea of who I am uh, from there but all my music stuff I probably share on my Instagram it's at Jared M. Glassman J-A-R-E-D-M-G-L-A-S-S-M-A-N um, that's my handle for now who knows if that's going to be it forever I've always been wanted to been, be called pants I don't know why I wanted to be called pants for wearing cool pants um, what? I, always wanted, I always wanted a name like I wanted to you know like uh, I don't know like who, who's something in 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 entertainment there's always people always go by another name and like lady gaga or whatever yeah pants i want to be pants so honestly (laughs) that's sick pants my friend pants i'm putting you in in my phone as pants Do do you want it with a z or do you want it with an s i'll take an s i'll take an s (laughs) that doesn't stick for the universe and if it did i wouldn't be upset but um yeah call me pants fuck it (laughs) call me pants fuck it um thank you so much guys if you enjoyed this episode please one go follow jared he's literally an amazing person and just one of the kindest humans i think i've ever met so um, connect with him if you have questions. Thank you so much for being willing to answer those questions. Um, and if you like this episode, share it on all your socials, you know, put on your stories, tag us, tag Jared. We would love to shout you out. We're all friends here. Um, and please go on to wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, and leave a rating and review. If you're on Apple Music, you can leave a rating and a review, like the words. Spotify hasn't really gotten there yet with the reviews, but they do have a rating. Five stars is best because we're friends. Anything less? I question our friendship. Um, but anyways, and go follow us on Instagram as well. Like I said, I th- said this a couple episodes ago, but like guys, my TikTok audience and my Instagram audience is so unbalanced and is an insecurity of mine. So as my friend, please go over there, follow me, follow Jared and follow the Attainable Podcast Instagram because we are bopping over there in case you haven't seen. I love you guys so much and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.